Drunk and Disorderly podcast brought to you by the Launchpad Media. Go to www.thelaunchpadmedia.com for all your podcasting needs. And I'm way behind today, and I'm sorry because Caleb used this last, and I don't even know where my sticky notes are at. But don't worry, we're going to get those crawlers going on the bottom of the screen here in a minute. Okay, too fucking hot in this room. Yeah. So, the Launchpad Media. Let's talk about this for a second. Doing some awesome things there. Go check out the website. Uh, definitely, like I said, keep saying, check out Sounds Like Liberty. It's a great podcast. Uh, and it's a great break from talking about all the serious things that we talk about in the movement. Like, you know, police murking dogs. Uh, yeah, I saw another one of those videos today and it pissed me off. So go talk. Go listen to them have cool people on talking about like dorky music. Like I went on there and talked about K-pop because I'm a fucking nerd. So that's, that's what you have to look forward to there. Uh, go to our anchor for the audio version of this YouTube. Um, our, we just got the ability to stream to YouTube and we're going to try to figure out how to do both at the same time. That'll be fun. Uh, we also have, what else do we have? Uh, oh, our subscribe star, uh, go to subscribestar.com slash drunk dash N dash disorderly and help us out. Uh, we are doing a lot of really cool things. We're trying to get to a bunch of conventions. Uh, we might be hosting some really cool debates soon that we're going to need to be live and i just dumped a bunch of money on new gear you're a dumb mask justin uh, <laughs> so, hi justin <laughs> so all that said uh dre take us away hello um you know i don't have much today all i have is first world problems so i'm not going to bore you guys with it i've been sick for two days and um luckily you can't see what is really happening on my face right now thanks to <laughs> The dryness and the bleh. anyway, thank goodness for cameras that are this far away. <laughs> so I'm just going to go ahead and welcome our guests. I'm sure many, many, many of you already know Mr. Adam Kokesh. Welcome to our show, sir. Thank you very much. So where in the world are you today? You're on the we bus. are in Long Beach, California, and it's a it's a great place to visit. But I'm glad I don't live here anymore. Oh yeah. Going to hell in a handbasket like the rest of California or what? Well, you know, one of the things about this campaign is, is just like how much it, it, it unites people. And even in California, where they're, they're, they're having this great socialist experiment and they would be better off without the federal government. There's a great movement here. You know, there was the, the first the movement to, to, to try to cut up California into six different states. So they'd have 12 senators and the Democrats would, would rule the, the U.S. Senate. And then three states and blah, 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 blah. But but now what's what, what's taking hold at a, at a much more grassroots level is the Cal Exit movement. And obviously, California splits off their what something like the seventh largest economy in the world at that point. Uh, and to think that, well, the, the way the way we like to say it is that the people in San Francisco are writing laws for people in San Antonio. And yes, that's about Nancy Pelosi. Yeah, it's a, it's absurd. People want to want to get away from this. Uh, so I, I, we have we have a great event. We have a punk show coming up Friday with 390 in Huntington Beach. We've had some awesome events here so far. It's been a blast. I mean, I 
Except for the gas tax prices, you know, like I'm, I'm, I, I love visiting California. And I, I say that sometimes where I live in Arizona is, is California East, but I'm from California originally, Cali boy at heart. So I apologize to everyone for those weird technical issues we just had. Uh, Dre's coming back in now. Um, and I'm sorry that you just saw the mess that is my studio. Uh, here's the problem. The door was open to the basement last night, or not last night, today, and the big dog ran through. So my room, like my room isn't clean to begin with, but he trashed it, and I didn't get it all picked up yet. Um, so <laughs> I apologize. Dre's back. So Adam, uh, you had a busy week, because uh, everywhere I've seen Dan, I've seen you. So uh, you want to talk about what you've been doing this week? Well, it's just been these events in California, but you know, there's there's another interview I did yesterday that that I was really really excited about. Uh, but before that, this weekend was was some a couple California Libertarian Party events, and you know, always happy to support the party. And, and I should say, if anybody wants to be a delegate to the national convention, which is the only chance you have to vote in a in the Libertarian primary in a way that counts. State governments, they hold these weird, like, libertarian primaries, but they're completely irrelevant to the nomination process. It's all decided by a thousand delegates in Austin next year. So we're, we're working the, uh, the grassroots in California, getting people signed up. If you want to uh, get more information about that, you can go to uh, thefreedomline.com. Right now we have a, a pop-up about that and a link to the uh, California membership website. The deadline is November 16th. And uh, Mimi Robson, the chair here, always a blast to hang out with Libertarian Party people. It was the uh, Southern California Leadership Conference and candidate support dinner here for the California LP. Uh, but then yesterday, I, I got to do an interview, and, and this might be like the fun like follow-up interview I've, if you guys want to get into this. But you all know who uh, Christopher Cantwell, the crying Nazi, is, yeah? Oh, yeah. I think I've heard of that. Yeah, every, everybody has a fun response when they, when they hear that name, if they recognize it's, it. it the, the, and there's always some element of cringe to it, of course. But for those uh, in the audience who don't know, uh, Christopher Cantwell is the crying Nazi because he was one of the organizers and speakers of the Unite the Right rally in Charlotte where three people died. Although two of them were cops who were in a helicopter that crashed. And yes, that, that's a tragedy, but certainly not on the event. Yeah. And Christopher Cantwell, uh, we, we've, we've always had a, a collegial relationship. And, and, and I still have immense respect for his, his capabilities and his intellect and, and everything else. But he's the asshole who went to the dark side. You know, let his, you let his hate overtake him. And, and he actually transitioned from someone who, who I believe, from, from my experience with him, and I worked with him. Um, I've done shows with him. He hosted my show. He hosted Adam versus the Man when I was in jail in D.C. for four months. And he went to the dark side of white nationalism. And it's it was so fun to talk to him because... He, as he says, most libertarians are afraid to talk to him and, and they hear his, his arguments for white nationalism and, and scream racist and, and run away and, 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 you know, don't even give him that credibility of having thought through his positions. 
And so I got to do two hours with him yesterday and just knock down one thing after another. And, and this interview, I mean, it's already, it caused controversy before it happened. Oh, you're talking to the racist. Well, yeah. And, and Christ walked oh, among the you lepers. Give that a platform. Why? Well, it's his, it's his platform. I'm jumping on his platform. But right. what, I what, you legitimize any platform you're on, though. Legit, uh, well, ideas that are illegitimate are illegitimate regardless of, of, of where they're brought. I mean, this is, this is to, 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 there's a silly argument from, and I, by the way, I think the people who make this argument are, are infiltrators and trolls or, or, or COINTEL pro agents of some kind. When you say I'm an anarchist and, and you can't vote because that legitimizes the state, it's like, whoa, 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 are you kidding? No, the state is illegitimate no matter what. You know, like you can't you can't vote the state into legitimacy. You can't have this is like one of the premises of ethical libertarianism. You cannot have a majority violate individual rights of minority. And just because they're the majority, somehow it's magically ethical. This is insane. But it, it for some reason, for the, 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 the angsty anarchist types that that kind of hits home. Oh, I'm so cool. I don't even vote. But like, what does the establishment want? They want the people who would challenge them to not vote. They're happy with a relatively low vote, the low voter turnout. Like, <laughs> what's that? You are speaking my language right now. I try to yeah, I so, so, settle every fucking day, I feel like. So, I mean, the, the, the government, you can tell, they, they don't want to encourage voter turnout except to make it look like they care. But if the, I mean, they, they could have mandatory voting. Some countries, I, I think there's at least one that has some kind of mandatory voting system. Like, no, they, they don't want that. They want, and, and they don't want the two party system to get imbalanced either. This is why California will never split into six states because they want to keep it relatively even between the two parties so that, oh, you better not throw your vote away on a third party. You know, you, you got to feed in. No, this is throwing your vote away, voting for the old parties. Yeah. So, they keep you locked into that. And one of the things that they use to stifle intellectual conversation, and this is why I'm actually proud of the fact, I mean, I, I'm not big on pride, but like, yeah, I'm proud that I was in a position to step up and look Cantwell in the eye and say, you're fucking wrong. Your racism is fucking wrong. You have given into hate and what you are advocating for is as evil as government. And, and there is something about being able to confront that, you know, with someone like, like again, like Christopher Canwell, who's very smart, very educated, very courageous as an activist and, and, and someone I powerfully agree with on so many of the premises uh, of ethical libertarianism. And yet so powerfully disagree with him on white nationalism and racism and the statism and the borderitarianism uh, you know nonsense that, that that he pulls out of that and it it it's something that was it was a really good exercise for me because it pulled out what i think are the most beautiful parts of the message you know th that it really is about love it really is about recognizing uh, the 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 light in in in, in every human soul it really is about seeing humanity as a global family. And, and through this interview, I made the economic case using his arguments to say, no, you have to, you want to expand circles of influence, circles of trust, opportunities for commerce. Yeah, it's a global human family. We can get government localized to the community level, 
but we have to see humanity as something worth protecting, worth defending, individual human rights that that transcends race, transcends nationalism and borders and, and, and all that other nonsense that, like Christopher Cantwell, like so many other statists, and he's really the one of the few true former libertarians I know. You know, we have like a 97, 98% retention rate. You know, once you understand that the state is unethical, you, you cannot unlearn what you have learned. And in a sense, Christopher still gets this. Uh, so to be able to confront that directly and, and, and bring out what to me is really the most beautiful part of this message was, was a fun opportunity. So you mean all those edgy boys that get on the New York Times and say, well, I'm glad I'm not a libertarian anymore. We weren't really libertarian <laughs> to begin with. Yeah, no, no, actually that, that's genu generally the case. Um, and, and I'm all for an inclusive use of the word libertarian to say anybody who believes in freedom, anybody who wants to associate with the party, call yourselves a libertarian, that's great. It's got liberty in the name, fine, embrace it. But there's something at the core of that. If you say, I'm a libertarian, I believe in freedom, at some point you have to go, well, what is freedom? Oh yeah, it's what you have when no one is forcing their will on you. And therefore it's a message of ethics, of not violating individual rights, whether you're an individual or a government. And when you realize that everything government does, as we know it today, as, as coercive central authorities, and, you know, we could play the anarchist-minarchist semantics game, but ultimately the, the goal is not to get rid of the word government or anything called government, but to raise the standard of ethics in society. So either we're getting rid of government or we're transitioning, transitioning it, as, as I would suggest, through localization to a voluntary ethical system. And there are a lot of people who you know, on their way down the rabbit hole, maybe they get they get stuck on the Constitution ledge or the minarchist ledge or the but there there really is a political, philosophical, ethical bottom of the rabbit hole of realizing libertarianism is this this singular, beautiful, uniting philosophical point of the non-aggression principle, self-ownership, love, respect. And and, and 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 endorsement of the freedoms of, of your fellow human beings is at the, at the core of libertarianism. And once you get that, nah, you don't forget it. A lot of the people who stop at those ledges, oh yeah, I was a libertarian and then I went this way or that way. Nah, you weren't there. That's cool, but you weren't there. Justin, so I got to jump in here for a second. Way off topic. Justin, here's what's going to happen at convention. Oh, We're God. going to go to somewhere and get two of those magic, like, what this is, one of those shitty balance decks, and we are going to play a best of five. If you win, I will wear a Nick Sarwark t-shirt the entire convention, and if I win, you have to wear a Max Abramson t-shirt the entire convention. <laughs> May the best man win. Dude, <laughs> oh, that, that's that's real harsh on <laughs> man. <laughs> We're both gonna be playing for blood. I guarantee it. Oh, I, I, am sorry. I wouldn't wear either of those T-shirts around convention. <laughs> Real quick. That's why it's a great about, bet. We were talking about uh, compulsory voting earlier, and I did look it up. It's like Australia and Belgium, yeah. Luxembourg, uh, North Korea, obviously. <laughs> about half of South America, really, and then like former British. Australia is funny because they they made it mandatory. 
And it seems like they made it mandatory just so they could outvote the indigenous population because they that's not mandatory for the aborigines, <sighs> but it is for all the white people. <laughs> so, yeah, that's compulsory voting in Australia, I guess. <laughs> you know, if, if I may, Zach, that that reminds me of something that's that's really been been speaking to me a lot recently. The the quote from uh, I think it's Leela Watson the uh, aboriginal activist and you know I, i've been traveling in the bus recently and it's it's awesome to have the bus back on the road you know the finally free america on the side and the campaign so when people come in gas stations and ask for books and merchandise and whatever and it's 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 a blast but there's there's really a different attitude with this campaign not just in localization that everybody gets what they want strategy but in in how we recruit people because if you're one of the old party candidates uh give me money volunteer for my campaign let me use you to sell out and 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 profit from the system i mean that's the subtext of everything an old party politician is asking you to do and supporting them for their campaign unless oh yeah give me money and i'll pass some bullshit regulation law so that you can make more money with your company you know if, if it's not that uh and and what we've done is is kind of turn that on its head in the sense that and, and i think the libertarian party does this in general better than the old parties but i i think it's been helpful with the understanding of this quote for me at least to put my finger on it and and the quote from leela watson is if you have come here to help go home we don't want your help but if you are here because you understand that your liberty is tied up in ours let us work together and and just today, like, I, you know, we were traveling. I, I was at the gym. I go sit outside the uh, little Irish pub next door in the strip mall on a bench. This guy comes up and, and, and sees my tattoo and, and goes, okay, happy Veterans Day. And, 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 and that launches, you know, so much else. Anytime someone says, thank you for your service, you know, I, I, I try to say something like, uh, you know, because I was serving bankers and politicians and war profiteers, you know, why, why would you thank me for that? Or, you know, why, why don't you think, uh, thank a, a, a peace activist instead who might have prevented us from committing war crimes? And, you know, just talking to him and, and realizing that there are so many people in America who are ready to step up. And if you give it to them like that, if you say, let, let me lead you, follow me. Nah, you know, that's that's not how we're going to win this revolution. It's going to be by turning people on to be the alphas of their own lives, to, to, to not be soldiers who follow orders, but warriors who are willing to risk their lives to stand up for justice. And, and we've really done, uh, I think, to, to some degree, a special job with this campaign and the team that, that, that we've got here now of, of really shifting the attitude uh and, and and you guys know like this isn't a political campaign as much as it's an anti-political campaign right we're going to get rid of the federal government entirely turn the federal election into a referendum it really reaches people on a different level and what i hear more than anything else on the campaign trail here is you know i don't normally vote but i come out and vote for that awesome oh boy zach is doing it again uh oh i got the echo Wow. <laughs> hey, is yeah. that Aaron? Hi, Adam. Hey. Sorry, you don't want to see there. I my daughter um 
is expecting, and she's due the first week in December, except things have started progressing today. So we're playing a whole lot of, do I need to get in the car and drive there now or not <laughs> kind of game. Uh, and it, it's her first. And so I'm excited. I'm excited. Very and cool. The baby. Congratulations. I'm so excited. But I don't know what is going on with Zach and Dre. Coming back. Can you guys There's hear me? Dre. Yeah. I can hear you. Very good, okay. Dre. Yeah, I don't know. Zach's got all sorts of issues going on. So are you su you're super excited? Do she know if it's going to be a boy or a girl? It's a boy. Awesome. It's a boy. Uh, the, at her gender reveal, um, she revealed to us that it was going to be a girl. So we went and got all kinds of stuff and prepared for a girl. And then she went and got a better ultrasound, another ultrasound, and mm -hmm. called back and said, hey, mom, sorry. Shit. Yeah. So we're ready for the next one, too. <laughs> well, that's cool. It'll be fine. Just in time for Christmas. It's, it's you know, I'm supposed to be at an LNC meeting this weekend. I'm sorry to anybody who's watching, but if this baby decides to um, make his appearance, I'm not going to be at that meeting. I will be here. Yeah. Absolutely. We'll see. We'll see what her doctor says again in the morning. <laughs> I'm sorry, everyone. I I was using our new camera to test it out, but the connection does weird things with my computer, and it kept booting me. But, man, this camera's nice, though. You can definitely tell the, the quality. Oh, I saw a gender reveal today where this chick was laying on the ground on her stomach with just Oh, the one where she farted? <laughs> Blue dust That's on the ass. <laughs> like, that was crazy. And I mean, whatever, I I'm over it. So how do, how aren't you happy you came on here, Adam, to talk about gender reveal farting and? <laughs> I, I came prepared. <laughs> gender Adam reveal. At least got the memo about that this oh. is the drunken disorderly podcast. Also, right, exactly. Also, I. I vape and I vote. That's right. Good, good, good. Wait, wait. I don't vote because I'm a felon. Well, no. So I'm a felon, <laughs> and I I live in Arizona, and I'm not allowed to vote in Arizona. I'm allowed to run for president, but I can't vote for myself. Uh, so I might. I, and I'm a, I'm a lifetime member of the California Libertarian Party and, and uh, Oklahoma Libertarian Party. Yes, yes, Oklahoma too. And uh, I I was born here, and so I might, you know at least according to the government, become a resident of California for 2020 in order to be a registered libertarian voting in California. And it, it'll be a, a fun uh, little bit of, you know, you know how the, the, the candidates always go and kind of make a deal on, on voting day or on election day of, of going out. Oh, I cast my ballot and here's my wife. And we went and, you know, we do, we yeah. did our civic duty and vote. Well, I'm going to have to drive from Arizona to, to California <laughs> in order to, to go cast my vote and be like, yeah, something's wrong here. Adam, let's talk about that. Let's, let's talk about having a felony and running for a president because yeah. I've seen it, right? I've seen you uh, give a speech and say that and people, people in the audience grasp their pearls. And what do you mean? Can felons run for president? Yes, yes, but with the exception of certain things, right? No, it's a constitutional like, office. The the uh, I thought the, it was only uh, like high crimes and misdemeanors. Like if you've been convicted of, of treason or something. No, even even that, uh, the, because there's a specific constitutional set of requirements to be of 
35 years of age, a resident of the United States for 14 years, and a natural-born citizen, there have been cases adjudicating this where, no, they can't impose any other requirements on the office. Uh, I don't think any, uh, you can be, now when you say high crimes and misdemeanors, you're thinking of the standards for impeachment. Mm, okay. But I'm on impeachment. Which is really vague on purpose. Yes. (laughs) I I feel like if, if the founding fathers would have looked ahead and saw that impeachment was going to be used as a political weapon in every president's like time, they might have rethought how they made that one. Well, or maybe they did it that way on purpose because they're well, like, fuck you and your party politics. Well, hold on, hold on, right. exact. Hold on. I gotta challenge the premise of this. And this is this is that like, oh, I got stuck on the constitution ledge on my way down the rabbit hole. If you think that the framers, now this is an important distinction, the framers, not the founders, the founders were the ones who said, screw you to the king, we want to be independent, we're going to fight for that, we're going to stand up for that. The framers were the ones who came in 13 years later and screwed it up by creating a new central authority under the Constitution when we had the Articles of Confederation. And their general rationale was we need a stronger central authority that we can tax people to pay all these pissed off soldiers and create a central bank to continue ripping people off for all time. You know, it, that they weren't looking forward in that sense to say, oh, yeah, let's let's create a, a, a better ripoff racket for all posterity. You know, the, the, the Bill of Rights was the excuse to pass the Constitution. It was a it was and it was a meaningless token of political bullshit to say, oh, yes, give us this power and we'll respect your enumerated rights. And obviously, Lysander Spooner from his quote, I think it's about a hundred years ago, even at this point, is, is so prescient. He said, the Constitution, be it one thing or another, has either authorized the current tyranny that we are experiencing or entirely failed to prevent it and either way is unfit to exist. I mean, it's ironic, part? isn't it, that the mil- military industrial complex created uh, the central bank, created all... All of the woes of government that we bitch about, and and keeps us in debt, right? Like yes. this is still happening. Yes, yes, so yes. I wanna, and I want to point something I, out here, and with with you, with Aaron and Adam being veterans, I I'm sure you'll understand where I'm coming from here. Uh, going back to the Revolutionary War, you had these armies that were fighting for freedom and all of that for the most part. I feel like the whole thing about being paid to fight wasn't an, an army-wide thing. And that... How do, I'm trying to figure out how to frame this. That whole having to pay the, the troops thing, I feel like if I was living in that time, I would have fought for the freedom that was won and w- wouldn't have cared about the money. I feel like that was... Mostly manipulated by the people manipulated by the people in charge of the process to benefit themselves more yeah. than the troops. Right. Oh right. geez, really? That's always been the case? Yeah, no shit. <laughs> well, and look, it, that's not exclusive to here, and it's not exclusive to that time period. I mean, Versailles was built as yes. a home for old soldiers, right? And and here we had a narcissistic king. His his troops had been at war for a fucking decade, right? He brings them home 
not to end the war, but so they can build his fucking castle. <laughs> and to get him to do it says, well, this wing over here, this beautiful wing, this is the, it was the first VA center in the fucking world. Oh, geez. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's crazy. Every time you look at history and see it from an honest perspective, it is all of the injustices that we are experiencing in the world today have immediate historical proxies. But I will say the one benefit that, that, that I've gotten from studying history would be summed up by the work of uh, Harvard professor Steven Pinker, which is that humanity progresses. We get less violent over time. We're living in the most peaceful times in human history. You are less likely to be subject to violence at the hands of another human being than ever before. And this follows a kind of radioactive decay curve over the course of human history. You look at the world today, 90% of the violence is committed in the name of governments. Mm -hmm. And of the remaining 10%, 90% of that is directly caused by governments with the drug war and the, the war on poverty and all the other economic manip manipulations, creating desperation and incentives for crime. When you get rid of, we as a species, we've come so far. We have embraced ethics because it's good for life. It's good for markets. It's good for human happiness and safety and productivity to, to, to get along with each other instead of to fight. And we've embraced don't hit, don't steal, don't kill. But we still make this exception unless you're a cop, an IRS agent or a soldier. And I have no doubt that, you know, w w without, uh, you know, nuclear war or a comet hitting the earth or something like that. We are going to see the end of, of coercive government within our lifetimes. This is the natural course of human progress. And, and we just get to be a, a, a part of, you know, fighting for that that next evolutionary step. It, it's a great time to be alive, to, to be able to have that historical perspective and see how it applies to today. What comes first, a, a functioning colony on Mars or a government-free Earth? <laughs> oh, well, okay, so you now hold on. That, that raises a very important semantic question again, as we got into before. We say a government-free Earth. Uh, I, I would I would rephrase that to say a an Earth almost entirely free of organized coercion. Yeah, does that make sense? To, so and, yes, I said define my what I consider government. It is that that coercion. Right. Right. So. I'm I'm really optimistic in the sense that if this dumb sergeant here can figure out a way that in 2020 we can get 10% and we can win in 24 on a platform of getting rid of the federal government and that localization is the global trend anyway, if you see Brexit, Scottish independence, Catalonia, Calexit, Hawaii, Alaska, Texas, I could go on and on in the United States, but that our generation is saying, you know, we don't have to do things the way they've always been done because they've always been done that way. No. We can redraw all the lines on the map. We can design systems that meet our needs, meet our values in our communities and have voluntary systems. I, I mean, I'm, I'm very optimistic. And, and I do believe that we do have to fight because the difference between the federal government ending in 24 versus 64, 40 years of just, say, the FDA in existence, killing about a million people a year by putting unsafe drugs on the market and keeping life-saving drugs off the market. You know, just just for that one irrefutable statistical example, you go, yeah, we got to kick this thing as soon as we can. But I, I really am optimistic. I see that the awareness rising, the internet effect, more people are waking up faster than ever. The, the truth is 
is harder to deny than ever before. I mean, you can't tell, you can't make cannabis illegal and say, yeah, because because it, it it makes black people black. It makes black men want to bang white women. You know, you can't get away with that kind of nonsense anymore. Right. Like, oh yeah, it's it's bad for you. What compared to cigarettes and alcohol that you make legal? Are you kidding? No, that's ins- like you just you can't deny that. I think that's coming to a sense of awareness for for global understanding of what government is. I'd like to think that we could get to that point even globally within three or four decades. And and I I understand that my analysis of this might be the best thought out in the realm of how do we get from A to B of coercive to non-coercive societies. Uh, but I will totally defer. And, and there's a lot of sub. I, even my analysis says, you know, it, it. I can't imagine it like logistically being less than twenty years. I can't imagine it ideologically taking more than maybe a hundred years. But somewhere, I, I would hope that you know, in the realm of thirty to forty years, like. You know, and and it's really in the in, in the next ten to twenty years that we get rid of most of the injustice of government. You know, this is a logarithmic scale; it goes down on on, on a slope where we get rid of this chunk today uh, with localization. The, the, the remainder of the injustice of local government is, is insignificant. So, given that, Zach, you tell me how does that measure up to the estimates for colonies on Mars? Because I really have no idea. <laughs> See, like I think it's it's probably Mars first. And I think that because I think the initial colonizations anywhere um, are going to be market driven and not government driven. So I think you're talking yes. about a different group of, of pioneers, <laughs> right? A different group of colonists. I think maybe they're the ones that set the example. I think maybe they give us that, that one tool that as, as Liberty activists, we tend to be missing. The one thing I hear more, more than even libertarians are crazy is um, show me one place anywhere in the free world where libertarianism has worked. Show me one place. No, let's do that. That's a nonsense question. There's an easy answer to that already. You don't have to go to Mars. Libertarianism is what works. Voluntary relationships are better than coercive relationships everywhere. It's already working. You can see that it's government that holds us back. And the question has a great historical analog. That's just, easy to reveal the absurdity of it you know if in the age of slavery would you say well there's no country where you know we haven't had slavery so slavery must be necessary no progress it happens it's real paradigm I know, shift i get it but i think there's a cognitive dissonance attached to not being able to visualize something if we look at even different methods of education um, there are many that say if you want a child or an individual to be able to grasp the size of an elephant, they need to see an elephant or something that is elephant sized. And I think for a lot of people, they just the minute they can visualize it, the minute they can lay eyes on it, it, it becomes reality. I think we well, first of all, I'm, I'm not willing to wait for a colony on Mars to show people that freedom works. And I know you're oh, not, not either. either. Aaron. Because you're such a, you're such a badass activist yourself in the trenches with the LP and everything else you're doing, but uh, I the visualization point that you're making there that they, they might need to see it, um, I, I think we can we can paint that. For, I think that you know, and and I think what you put your finger on there might be a a, a sort of weakness in in libertarian messaging, mm-hmm. and that, that that we don't present. And, and again, localization makes it really easy. 
hey, one step, get rid of the federal government. All these evils go away. You can imagine that. And now your state or your tribe or whatever is sovereign. Oh, okay. Yeah. I mean, that's, I, 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 I think that's one of the ways. And, and, you know, I, I could always get better in my messaging and, and I'm always, always open to improvement and, and, and hearing more effective angles for reaching people. And, and yeah, painting that picture is part of it. I hope we don't have to go to Mars first. I really think that's why community involvement is so key. That's why picking these small winnable local races and getting involved with the governments that, that interact with our lives and, and interfere with our lives on a daily basis, like up close and personal. That's why those things are so important. That's, that's why they're so beneficial. It paints the picture. People have to be able to see it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the other thing too, that about, about what you just said is, is for anybody who, who gets engaged at the local level, what they run into is, state and federal impediments and it's like hey let's do this at the local level and you go oh no you can't because you have to raise an extra so many thousand dollars to go through the state permitting process and to get permission from this agency and blah and it's like oh crap i had this you connect with the vision they've already had right i want this in my community so okay okay go go make it happen get involved to go see what happened and anybody who's done, you know, anything like that, at least if they've if they if they've gotten any kind of serious challenge, they know, you know fish rots from the head, and and that's the center of corruption that's that's holding back even the current demand for for local customization of governance. So, Dre, Dre, put- you're super active there locally in your community, your outreach events. I mean, I try. And do you think that's having an impact because you're on the ground, you're local, you're, you're reaching out into your local community. Do you feel like that's had a positive impact? I mean, I do. I don't know if it's because of what I'm doing, but I get the CD every month and I get the voter numbers and they're going up. We're getting more and more registered libertarians in my County every month. And I mean, I don't know if that's because of what I'm doing. Every time I'm in public, it comes up, whether I am meaning to or not, I didn't realize I'm just like chomping at the bit to tell people about how, about freedom and liberty, you know what I mean? So whenever I'm out and about, you know, I'm either talking about our podcast or I'm talking about liberty or, hey, you know, there's this thing going on locally. We need to, you know, get involved in that. And every time I go to the vape shop, luckily the one that I go to, they're pretty up on the local uh, laws and bills that are trying to get voted on. So they'll have a little uh, cut up. They'll have a little pamphlet or a little piece of paper to take that says, hey, they're going to vote on this bill on this date. And here's what it is, call or write in or whatever. So I try to stay in the loop with those guys. I mean, I'm, I'm just, I'm hopeful and I'm going to stay active locally as long as possible. Yeah. Uh, I feel like um, I feel like we actually do have an impact because every couple of days someone new from my job where Dre also work comes up and will say something about the podcast. Um, <coughs> shout out to one of my managers if you're watching. Hi. <laughs> Please don't report us. (laughs) I mean, I think it's easy as an activist to become overwhelmed, right? You have those days that you go, nothing is working. I can't believe I'm bleeding for this. You know, everybody has those moments. But if you stop and just take a breath and look around you, you're making an impact. 
Well, yeah, that's you know that's when you, know you just need to take a breather, whether mm-hmm. it's a day, two days, a week, whatever. Take a step back because otherwise you will lose sight of your goal and you will sit mm-hmm. back and do nothing forever. And that's how people burn out. And that's how you see people rage quit. Well, fuck this. I got called. I'm not a real libertarian and I'm not doing enough. And my contributions aren't, you know, I'm not getting the attaboys that I feel that I deserve. You know what? That's not why we do this. Right. That's the problem. People forget why we do this. You got to remind yourself why you do what you do. Yeah, You don't need a pat on the back. You're doing this for a much, much bigger cause. And that's not for any kind of accolades or, hey, you're doing such a good job. Here's your fucking cookie. No, do it because you feel it and you feel it in your bones and you feel the need to do this as an activist or don't is the way I kind of see it. I'm just I'm sick of the infighting and I'm sick of the rage quitting. I have no time for it. And I need a Kleenex. I'm sorry, you guys. We, we can hand out lollipops at the convention. Just put <laughs> lollipops well, I mean, at the table. And if you need a prize, um, come get one. You know, one of the things that came up at the California uh, Southern Leadership Conference uh, for the LP this last weekend in, in my panel with, uh, with, with the chair, Mimi, and with Jeff Hewitt, who is, you know, the highest selected libertarian in the country as a Riverside County supervisor. And a really good guy. Oh, he is heart of gold. Awesome dude. Uh, absolutely the greatest guy we could have in that sense for the LP and the cause. Walking point right now as the highest selected libertarian in the country. Dude's awesome. Uh, so one of the things that came up, and, and it was really great to have him in on, in on this conversation was, you know, are we doing things in a way that where it feels like we're playing their game? You know, well, oh, we're a party, so let's do what the old parties are doing. Or, or is our attitude, our methodology really in line with that which makes our message and our cause and our movement fundamentally different from liberalism or conservatism? It's libertarianism. It's an ethical philosophy, not a, a, a political set of positions and, and platitudes. And I, I, I don't think I, I have to really, you know, whip out my whole resume to make the point here that I've, you know, I've been a full-time activist for 13 years. And, you know, there are a lot of people who've been around longer than that, but I've been around long enough to see a lot of people come and go. And it's, it's really tragic. And Dre, you mentioned the rage quitting. There's burnout, there's fade out, there's so many versions of, of people just disconnecting with their activism. And it, it really is sad. And, and, and the why that came to me in, in the context of this, this wonderful conversation in, in California recently uh, came from someone uh, accusing me of being charismatic. And I was like, well, you know, okay, sure, what is that? Yeah, but uh, yeah, right. No, it's no, and I, I'm I'm obviously being facetious to a degree here, but I think it's an imprecise compliment to say you're charismatic, uh, and, and it, it it has a lot of weird connotations as well that 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 uh, don't sit perfectly well with me, and I, it made me want to analyze it a little bit because obviously there's a certain energetic connection that goes along with what people call charisma as a way of relating to other people. And certainly there's a skill set and you apply yourself to developing 
a skill set in communications when you realize that's important to you or to whatever degree it is and what you're doing with your life as an activist, as, as, as a human being, to, to serve humanity, to serve yourself, to serve your, your family, the global family, whatever it is. And what I realized was that it, it, it charisma is a bad description for these two things of a, of a communication skill set but the motivation behind it, the energetic drive, the connection is a love for people. If you want to be good as a politician, even if you're going to fake it, if you want to be good as an activist, as a communicator, as someone, as a, as, as a, a, a warrior of any kind, you know, fighting to advance humanity, you have to cultivate that love for humanity, that love for your fellow human beings. And a lot of places where libertarians you know, we, we tend to get it wrong is in our deficiencies of self-love. And, and I think this is, is, is one of the biggest things that I see happening in our movement. I want to see people talk about more. And, and I love the way you two both touched on that. You know, you got to remember the why that's it behind everything. This is the evolution. This is what it's about. And I want people to talk more about how embracing the message of freedom has improved their lives. And just to use a relatively superficial example, you see a lot of people who come into the movement out of shape, overweight, because their head's been filled with propaganda about food from the mainstream media, and, and they think it's okay to eat fast food. They don't know about all the poison in, in the shit that you get at grocery stores or restaurants. You know, they, they don't think twice about, you know, just even conscious consumerism from that perspective, or they, they've been you know, propagandized and bullied through the government school system to feel bad about themselves, to feel beaten down, to have some of their autonomy stolen from them. And embracing this message means taking it back. And part of it in the obvious sense is, okay, well, I'm going to educate myself. I'm going to question uh, everything. I'm going to question where my food comes from. I'm going to question what I'm being told. But it's also like, I am going to take charge of my life. And you see it in people's bodies and their health and the assertion of that. You know, it's really awesome to see. And I know Aaron has seen this as a libertarian state chair and just someone who's, who's been around long enough, like there's this beautiful aspect of self-actualization right. and self-improvement that goes with embracing this message. I, it's a gift I want to share. I, I, I think healthcare I, is I another area. Doing, uh, a lot more um, like basically getting over my anxiety and dealing with right. the demons from the mm. country, the more I got into the libertarian movement. Yes. The, I, I needed the peace, the focus on peace to really offset the the mm. the trauma. Yeah. And look, I, I always say this. Uh, I was not a combat vet. Uh, and that's a whole nother level of shit that I can't even uh, understand. But as fucked up as I am, like I can't imagine the amount of work you guys have had to do to kind of get right after that. You know, you hear a lot of people. I say it all the time. I know Adam has says it all the time you'll hear a lot of time from activists that when they found the movement and when they found the party they found their family yeah and that is that is more about self-actualization than it is about anything else it's hard yeah. to find those people you connect with when you you've built all of these walls for self-protection protection from the government protection from the medical industry um, and and i work in healthcare but let's get really honest and, and Mary Ruark covers that in her book. The FDA is shaving about 18 years off each of our lives. Yeah. yeah. Right? The, the, the minute we say, wait a minute, if I don't own this, 
that I don't own anything. And we start focusing on this, your relationships improve, everything improves. Yes. So a lot of it is about self-actualization. You're uh, like family because you're willing to, uh, to embrace people. Yeah, I like what you said about family. The most important family is the one you choose. Mm -hmm. But you have to be um, in, in a physical, emotional, and mental place that you can make those choices. Yeah. And, and freedom is what gets you there. Definitely. You know, we see animals in like whales at SeaWorld and stuff, right? Remember all the outcry about how we have to let all the whales out? They're not doing well. And they're not doing well because they're not free. They're dying because they're not free. And so are we. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I want and now you guys know what it's like when me and Adam hang out. <laughs> I, want, I want to kind of swing us back a little bit. More war stories. Right? <laughs> um, so and more weed, usually. A lot more weed. <laughs> yeah, well, you know. Are you are you coming to the Nebraska convention, Adam? On that note. <laughs> well, you know we have to prioritize states by size based on how many delegates they represent. And I, you, you know, I sent on that list. <laughs> all right, I sent an email to all the the top because you know convention season is roughly January April, and I sent so sixteen weekends. I sent an email to all the state chairs of the biggest sixteen parties to say, hey. If you guys can coordinate and not overlap, I can be at all y'all's conventions. And of course, the LP is never going to be. We're, we're going to get rid of government before we get the LP that organized. Well, but it was. We don't, it, we don't have fifty weekends. I mean, we don't. There's right. going to be some no, overlap. No, no, no but I even think the like, did a great job trying. Yeah, well, even 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 getting the top. <laughs> well, the other thing is we're fighting government regulations for how parties organize just uh -huh. by dates. It's insane. There you know. You go. In, even in Arizona, uh, I'm not allowed to be a party officer because in order to be a party officer, you have to be registered to vote in a specific precinct and then be a precinct captain and then be a county officer and then be a state. Like it's, it's, and, and yeah, so a lot of states like Massachusetts, um, South Carolina, which just had their convention and, and hosted a, a really exciting debate there. Um, you know they they have to have their conventions at weird times, but yeah, we're going to be more likely. We're we're gonna we're gonna get rid of the federal government before the LP doesn't feel like hurting cats. At least most of it. <laughs> so in in your um in, in the presidential debate, I've or the campaign, I've noticed like you guys have had a fair number of debates by now. Uh, one of the things that I've been really struck by is how positive you've all been um uh, and how yes thank you part, i know there's a couple that um aren't this way but for the most part you guys are doing a really good job at like building each other up and yes building the party yes absolutely um, so if you could and I, I really need to start asking everyone this question it just kind of came to me if you could steal one idea from one of the others that are running what would it be or something that maybe they worded a different way than you or oh free ponies for sure <laughs> <laughs> but hold on can i zach though can i can i go back to, to, to what you said about uh the candidates running as a team uh i i want to stop and take some credit for this if i may because you know my job uh right no but this was it, it really started with me and arvin at, at the uh, 18 convention in New Orleans. And, you know, we've always been friendly. And, you know, even when, when he was getting heat for some of his missteps and messaging, 
you know, I was always friendly and respectful of, of, you know, who he was and what he represented to the party and the movement. And so he was the second one to announce, uh, myself being the first. And, you know, we, we hung out in New Orleans and we said, yeah, we're going to help each other. We're going to run as a team. You know, we're gonna, if we can stage debates or we can stage, you know, social media drama to, to bring attention to the party and you're going to be the constitutionalist obstructionist president and I'm going to be the bankruptcy agent instead of president, you know, yeah, let's, let's have fun with that. And then, you know, we had uh, Dan Berman, Dan, excuse me, excuse me, Dan taxation is theft Berman uh, jump in. And, you know, he's a longtime friend of mine as well. Uh, we, we've shared hotel rooms on the road. And, you know, our messaging is totally complimentary. I, you know, I love that dude. I love what he represents in his activism. And then we had Vermin Supreme jump in, you know, and, 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 and Vermin's awesome too. And I've known Vermin since I, I started supporting Ron Paul, you know, when he was running for president, I got to interview Vermin in New Hampshire. And it was, it was a blast to hear, oh yeah, you're going to be, all right, you're going to try to get on stage with the Libertarian. All right, let's, yeah, this is going to be fun. I like, because he's making fun of people who are trying to be president. Mm-hmm. I'm not trying to be president. <laughs> I, I love supporting his message. And he's actually become a real, legit, philosophical libertarian. He's actually evolved to a certain degree, and I don't want to speak for him here, but it's it, he, he really is genuinely an ethical libertarian at this point. It's beautiful to see him having made that progress and to be where he is now in his activism. And then we had Kim Ruff and, and she represents a real, like if you want the straightforward constitutional candidate, you know, you couldn't do much better than Kim uh, as someone grassroots who's connected to the base of the party. Also fellow Arizonan. And, you know, I love her. I will say along with all the other candidates, you know, hugely disagree with what, what that represents strategically for the party, but I have no problem saying, I love her. I want to support her. I want her message to get out. And, you know, recently we've had, uh, I, know, I think it's something like 20 plus candidates now who have followed oh, and Soraya Foss. I, I shouldn't forget uh, our, our, our uh, 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 Arab candidate from, uh, from Florida. And she's awesome and, and has been great and very friendly and in the spirit of running as a team as well. Um, and, and in the last debate, we had Joe Jorgensen who just jumped in and she's great. 96. VP nominee for the party, Ken Armstrong from Hawaii, um, and and Jacob Hornberger announced, and I love Jacob. With, Do you uh, think future Armstrong has an unfair advantage with that voice? Who? Well, I love how he makes fun of himself. He says, a guy who looks like Shrek and sounds like Darth Vader. <laughs> <laughs> but no, Ken, Ken's a great dude. No, he has a, you know, he's, he's a Navy veteran, and he has uh, he has a distinct command presence. Um, I don't, I don't know him very well, but, uh, I like him and, and I'm, I'm really happy to include him in the team spirit as well. So, uh, Dre reminded me kind of off to the side, we have to tell the story or you have to tell the story oh. when you and Justin got maced and, and kind of go through that, <laughs> that nonsense. I want to hear this yeah, well. stories about the straight pie parade and I'm dying to hear it. Oh, I was, uh, I'm, I'm trying to think of a joke that ends with, and therefore it was an alt-right turducken of a drama cluster, but yeah, uh, it was, it was a really interesting event. I'll, I'll, I'll try to tell the relatively short version because the long version's about an hour. Uh, so I was invited to speak at the straight pride event because someone on my team was connected with one of the organizers and said, you know, this could be a cool platform for you. 
you know, obviously there's a little controversy around it, but you're you're confident in, in maintaining your position, your message, you know, it'll be cool. And, and he got me an invite to speak at the event and, you know, in, in looking at it, I, I'm not against, you know, the, the people behind it really, but th what they're doing is, you know, this sort of alt-right trolling of the left. And, you know, it, it, it's, it, it's poking at people at, to, to laugh at them and to expose them. And there's a certain righteousness and, and great humor and legitimacy in that. But it, it's, it, it, there's a, a really negative spirit. There's a mean spiritedness to a big part of it. And I don't want to say it's counterproductive, but it's definitely suboptimal compared like, why, why make fun of people if you can, you know, love them at the same time? Right. And the, the premise of this is the culture war. What nonsense. The, the very wording of culture war. We're going to fight over the patterns of ways people have done things in the past and how they influence the, the, the present. And, we, you know, what what is culture? We're, we're going to fight. But why are we fighting? Because we're forced into the centralized system. And so the speech I gave at, at the straight pride rally when I, I was wearing, a you know, my campaign uniform of short sleeve button down plaid. And when I, I had underneath it, my free hugs t-shirt and the gist of my speech was you're all freaking idiots, you know? And, and, and I went and I spoke at the straight pride rally. I said, the one thing that's great about this is that you have brought together all the people in America who so desperately need a hug. If you think straight, if you think straight <laughs> people need a pride march, Maybe you need a hug. If you're so offended by this march that you have to come out and protest and be angry about it, you definitely need a hug. If, if you'd rather make fun of people and giggle in the corner and be an asshole on the internet, yeah, you probably need a hug. If, if you think that this straight pride rally is somehow a threat to your civil liberties, yeah, you probably need a hug. And so I went out and at the end of the speech went and hugged everybody in the audience. And then I went over to the, the protesters and I was surrounded by Antifa right away. Oh, it's the straight pride speaker. And I had Justin O'Donnell there and um, and and AJ and uh, I, I'm forgetting. Uh, I, oh, I'm, I'm going to kick myself tomorrow for forgetting the other couple dudes names. There's a guy with Vermin Supreme who was there. Um, and, 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 uh, you know, a handful of others just backing me up while I was surrounded by, by Antifa, like just full black block dudes and, you know, screaming at me about to like jump me, but I'm standing there wearing my free hugs t-shirt, smiling and saying all of what I'm normally doing these, these, and it was, you know, uh, you know, Justin O'Donnell's a big dude. You know, and, 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 uh, AJ Olding was there, uh, that AJ. And, and he's, he's, you know, he's a rugby player too. He's a real imposing dude. And they're standing behind me like, no, Adam just pumped those guys. And so every now and then one of the Antifa members would come up and give me a hug. They would like, like one of them would, would break ranks. And I think that, you know, together with, with AJ and Justin behind me, uh, you know, I, I deliberately put myself in a situation where if it wasn't for those things, yeah, I would have gotten jumped. And it would have gotten fun really fast, uh, yeah. but, you know, in, in an ugly way. But what, the way it got ugly, surprise, surprise, in the middle of this was the police. And no, that, the, does, the, that never happens. 
Yeah, always right. make everything better. <laughs> so there was some kind of scuffle between one of the protesters and this police captain with Boston PD as they're they're clearing the streets of the protesters because oh overtime's done we're out of here clear the streets I mean it was insane I, I forget the numbers but the amount of money that the city of Boston spent on this. It's is that, that the I mean, one where the cops were telling people to leave and they were leaving and then they continued to attack them with their bicycles? They had bicycles and they were kind of scooching yeah. the crowd back. Yeah. And the crowd was clearly had turned and was walking away. Yeah. Flying. Yeah. And so then I, yes, I was part of the crowd that was walking away. And I was with, uh, uh, Shoot, I, I'm forgetting the name. There's a handful of other dudes that were there, like, you know, backing me up with this Antifa confrontation. But I was there at least with uh, with Justin O'Donnell and AJ Olding. And we were we were just backing up. Like when they started clearing the street, we were like 10, you know, 20 feet back from the line of cops as they're, you know, they're moving their bicycles, yeah. you know, picking them up, putting them down, pushing the and they're they're not really pushing the crowd back at this point. It's like 10 Antifa jerks getting in their face. You know, I mean, like, and, and there's a, there's a right and a wrong way to stand up to cops. And, and that's Absolutely. not it. Yeah. And, and one of them kind of got in one of the cops faces and started a, a bit of a tussle. And the one of the, this captain behind just started going crazy with the pepper spray, but it wasn't pepper spray. It was CS gas. It was something oh, else. Shit. Like, yeah. And, and I wasn't, I mean, I've been pepper sprayed and I've gotten the CS gas. It was, it was the stuff they give you, um, in, in the gas chamber in the Marines. Holy shit. And, well, no, it's not, it's not like it's much worse than pepper spray. It, it just, really isn't, but it still would have been a, we, like a flashback for me. Yeah, we do that kit for fun when I was in. Like, yeah, we would volunteer to go to the gas chamber. Yeah, to me, it would have like been a flashback thing. to the fun of boot camp and MCT, right? Like, Marine combat training. I loved all that stuff. I was. I mean, I was even in, even in basic training, it wasn't that bad. Like, have you ever gotten Tabasco sauce on the skin around your mouth? That kind of burning feeling. Okay, yeah. So my face, my skin felt like that. My eyes watered a little bit. I mean, it's the constant mucus drainage yeah. it, it, I, it's more annoying than painful i had to carry okay. someone Aaron's size out of the gas chamber just because she was in front of me and i w didn't want to stay in there any longer <laughs> so you're just like, you're coming <laughs> she was not capable of walking so i'm just like okay i'm gonna grab the back of your <laughs> uniform just go with it and i like have to bring her outside i mean people throw up everybody has a, a, a slightly different reaction but for, it wasn't that bad Luckily, no, I, I mean, I'm the only non-military on the podcast right now, and I've never been maced or pepper sprayed. Luckily. We can work on that. It's fine. You want to come over sometimes? I got. I carry pepper spray. Yeah, we'll take no. care of it. Well, there's. I have this. I have one of my favorite videos of mine on my YouTube channel is called Adam versus the Pepper Spray and the Taser. And my girlfriend at the time, we were we we're making a just like, all right, if you want a ten dollar device to put in your purse, which is going to be more effective? And it was. It was the pepper spray. Uh, really? But this was what was interesting about this is that the cop who pushed through the line, and, and I'd have to go over the video again, and I have a couple lawyers looking at the footage right now. Uh, but yeah, it was, and, and, and it looked like I was targeted. And I don't want to like, it, it's hard to say about me. Was it the group of us libertarians? Was it just a cluster of people who looked like they were standing behind Antifa? Yeah, who cares? Who knows? But 
it, the, the cop came out and I'm like, and, and you, there's a photo of a screenshot I post on my Instagram where he's got the, the, the pepper spray or whatever it was, the, the CS gas, like at arm's length. And he's still like five feet away from me. And you can see the stream of gas in the air. And it's not like a cone. It's uh -huh. a stream. I mean, when it, when it hit me, you know, being like 10 feet away from him or I don't know, five feet away from the, the nozzle, it was, it was a pretty concentrated stream. And you can see that what he did in the video is he went, he aimed for my belly button and then went up and I had my glasses on and it came over my glasses and I got it full on in the face. And it was, uh, it was as bad as being pepper sprayed. <laughs> What an asshole! Well, so concentrated and so thick, such a, such a dense application. Um, that'd be like, gosh, fifty to a hundred times worse than the gas chamber, where it's just kind of in the air. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. oh yeah! Oh yeah! Oh yeah! No, the gas chamber was was nothing compared to this. And like you know, you take your mask off, <laughs> open your eyes, close your eyes. I mean, you you know, burns. You come out five minutes later, you're fine. God, this yeah. is more like it's it's with you for an uh, for a few hours, you know, and and. and I that wouldn't be the first time. Up. Wouldn't be the first time you were targeted. Like I wouldn't be shocked. <laughs> you don't say. <laughs> I mean, like we there's video of you being targeted. A lot of video of you being targeted. <laughs> yeah, well, the the other one they they really screwed up with and made very blatant from the videos when I got arrested in Philly, and and there's a yeah there's a they even have a guy like it, and I don't know I haven't. I, I can't judge the guy, but it like he's trying to put a joint in my back pocket as I'm getting dragged out by cops when other people are smoking weed and I have the microphone in my hand. I mean, that one was bad. That was what I did a week in, in a in a federal joint in uh, in Philly with NA Poe, great activist out of Philly, big uh, bigly responsible for the, uh, the the decrim status in Philly right now with uh, with his activism there. But yeah, it was it's. Uh, well, I mean, the veterans. I, wait a minute. Who was putting the joint in your pocket? Was that a cop? Watch the video. You can you can look it up. Uh, Adam Kokesh, smoke down prohibition, arrested. You'll you'll find it on my channel. It's a, it's it's a we, we really a interesting video. Throw in there. Uh, Kokesh is the presidential candidate you want to party with because most people don't have the stamina to party with. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll let you go to bed at the end of the night. <laughs> well, I've never done bath salts, so I don't know how that would work out. <laughs> I know I can keep up with Adam, though. <laughs> that sounds like a challenge. Are you going to let her get away with that? <laughs> uh, Are we going to have to have a drinking contest now? Is this, is this how we're going to settle this? Smoking and drinking, yes. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, I'm not oh, worried. Oh, sleep the day before, Dre. I'll be the entire day <laughs> Sleep the week after when you lose. <laughs> okay, I'll see you in Austin. Yeah, all right, yes, after <laughs> Austin. <laughs> I mean, oh, look, we're doing a toga like, party in Nebraska for the Nebraska convention, so. We are. Oh, man, I can't wait. Mostly because. Well, I'm if gonna... it doesn't conflict, I'll be there. It's in February, so we'll keep you posted. All right. Well, you know, if you had it on a weekday, you want to be in uh, in February. True. You might not get out when you want to. <laughs> well, if you can, I've been encouraging the smaller states to do it on weekdays, but you know, that's I don't know how realistic that is. But I have been. I'm I'm pretty confident. I think Aaron will back me up on this. In the last three years, 
more than any LNC member or, or any state chair or any other party activist, I've been to more state conventions mm-hmm. than anybody else. And it's been Shots awesome. Fired at Josh Smith. <laughs> I was just going to say, that's Look, Josh, yeah, is, no. Josh is hitting the one He's hitting the hell of conventions. He is. But Adam's He's got close. about a five year head start on him, too. There's, well, yeah, I, I was invited to speak at libertarian conventions going back to, well, I mean, I, I first became a lifetime member in 2004 when i got back from iraq it was the first time i could afford it It was it was only a thousand dollars back then with inflation and it's up to 1500 now but yeah i got my my national lifetime membership when i got back from iraq and you know even but even in the last two years josh is i'm pretty sure he's a close second if you if you look at just the last three years or two years at this point uh, of state conventions uh but even there i've got him beat and and certainly over the the last decade, uh, I think I've got him beat uh, by by a much bigger margin. But no, I, I love it. This is like it, you know, for all the things that people want to say to hate on the Libertarian Party, the the Facebook trolls. It's such just bullshit nonsense. I have yet to hear a single complaint about the Libertarian Party that couldn't be solved by the person complaining showing up and doing something about it. Even if it was that you didn't like the nominee, Gary Johnson barely won the nomination. One activist, one of the other campaigns could have thrown it to to uh, Austin Peterson or, or McAfee or Perry even at, at, at that point. Uh, and, and that's why we're doing the work early. You know, we you know, my team, they, they care about this message. They care about localization. I want to win the nomination because I want this message forwarded in the right way. I don't want us to have another, you know, not quite libertarian as the nominee. And I think that this platform uniquely represents the ethical libertarianism in a way that you know, no other platform could to say, yeah, I'm going to put on the ring of fire and somehow magically I'm not going to be corrupted by it. No, we're going to throw the ring directly into the fire, take the federal government through a bankruptcy process. And this idea of, of localization based on love and respect and getting government down to the community level, it really is uniting people. 2020 is going to be a huge year for the LP. And I really encourage people to get involved. LP.org. I hope you check out my campaign, of course. Kokeshforpresident.com if you can't. I'm sure I'm sure Zach's organized enough. He's got it in the notes. But if you can't remember how to spell my funny last name, it's uh, thefreedomline.com. My book is there for free. And uh, I, I, you can see my calendar at the Freedom Line. I, I hope to see all at state conventions. And if you want to be a delegate here in California, registration deadline is coming up. November 16th, ca.lp.org, and, and sign up today. The 16th is the debt. We have an event here in Huntington Beach. Thank you for the reminder. That's on the 15th. Surf Dogs in Huntington Beach with 390. It's going to be a really fun punk show. Um, I'm going to be speaking. Mimi's going to be there representing the state party. Um, uh, Angela McArdle, a great organizer, putting that together with Ron Lucker of the band 390. Really excited about this one. We had a couple days to chill, although I've got a few more interviews. I'm doing, uh, you know, since you asked earlier, Zach, uh, I've also got an in-studio interview with uh, comedian Sam Tripoli this week here somewhere L.A.-ish. And uh, it's just, just, you know, we we drew a line in the sand. And people keep coming across and coming across and coming across, and we keep building momentum every day. It feels amazing. I love being on the road. I love representing this message. I, I wouldn't want to do anything else with my life. And, uh, you know, Zach I, I, and Andre and, and Aaron, thanks for doing this and putting this together and, and for plugging away. I know independent media. I mean, I've, I've been through all of it. 
You know, I might have the most shadow ban channel on YouTube. And to anybody who's watching this live stream, support independent media. Put your money where your ears are or your eye, whatever you you, have, you get the idea. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Remember, okay. subscribestar.com slash On that note, yes, yes, do it. Be You know, the, the technology means nothing without active conscious engagement and, and supporting independent media is a big part of realizing the potential of the internet. So thanks for doing this and thanks for everybody watching who makes this show possible. So I have one last question before we throw this out. All right, hit me. Something just fell off my desk. One second. Whatever. Here we go. So, Bill Weld shows up to the 2020 convention. Does he get a free hug? Free hugs are for everyone. Okay. Even if they're... Sorry. Every, everyone. Everybody Everybody deserves a hug. There you go, everyone. Show Even Bill Weld. So you can watch Bill Weld get a free hug from Adam Coach. I'm gonna make it happen. I'm gonna if he shows up, I'm gonna follow him around. And be like, you should go get a hug from Adam. <laughs> Don't mind this video camera. Just go get a hug from Adam. Right. We'll have video cameras in every angle. Oh God. <laughs> so thank you very much for coming on. Uh, this was yeah. great. Um, you you just plugged everything. Like you're you're on this. We don't get many guests that <laughs> have. Yep. Good job. <laughs> The professional right here so uh thank you for coming <laughs> on uh everyone else i look i know we haven't been doing thursday shows lately um blame dre tell me who you people want to have on yeah. also uh send us who you want to have on uh we have aaron Pyle next tuesday and i'm going to start doing some heavy uh recruiting for our next kind of i i batch our our people like I'll, I'll get three or four at a time build out a month and then stop because i'm lazy so tell me who I need to batch next. And uh, thank you, everyone. We'll see you next week. And, I'll and Zach, to Zach, I, I, I got to say one one last yeah. thing. I promise you, I know I, I'm a good hugger, but I am by the national convention. I will be such a good hugger that I will be able to hug the statism out of Bill Weld. Is that going to oh. be like a weird exorcism? We need to get on that That's on like camera. a gauntlet, man. <laughs> I'm on it. I'm, re- I'm going I'm to start training tomorrow. Okay. <laughs> All right. Everyone, I, give Adam hugs so that he gets better at it so we, we can turn Bill Weld libertarian. <laughs> Peace and love, y'all. <laughs> See y'all next week. Bye-bye.